stay connected. Sign up for our newsletter. Go beyond your favorite Voice America shows. Visit iradioblog.com. The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericavariety.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to Dr. Carol's Couch with your host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. All comments, views, and opinions are solely those of Dr. Lieberman, her guests, and callers. Now it's time to have a seat on Dr. Carol's Couch. Here's your host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. And welcome to today's edition of Dr. Carol's Couch. I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. Well, today we're going to be talking about a new book, um, with a very intriguing title called I Dreamed I Was Human, Awakening from the Illusion. And you may <laughs> be scratching your head <laughs> uh, and wondering what that all means, and we're going to be finding out from my guest, Carolyn Gervais. She um, is someone who has struggled with a lot of life's challenges, and I kind of thought that since that seems to be the theme of... Uh, of most people's lives these days, um, struggling with all kinds of challenges, that uh, this would hopefully be inspirational and might also give you a new twist on how to think about some of the things that you went through as a child and some of the things that you may be going through now. So, Carolyn, welcome to the show. Thank you. Um, you know, on your website, and we're going to give that out later, um, but you have just the first pages of some of the chapters, <laughs> mm-hmm. which of course is guaranteed or well is meant to um, to get people to buy the book so they can read so they can read the rest of it. And right. I must say that the first chapter certainly does that job. So why don't you start with that, telling us uh, where you start in your book and and what comes after that first page? <laughs> well, as a child from from as far back as I can remember, which is two years old, uh, I remember actually looking at life through uh, what seemed like uh, thin white gauze. And the only reason why I know that is because after it was removed, then I knew that's what I had been looking for uh, through. And as that child, as I looked out at life, it just seemed so chaotic and confusing. And it's like constant moving around, people doing things. And I didn't understand relationships with people. And everything just seemed so confusing. And I really didn't like the feel of it. I really didn't like the feel of it. Uh huh. And where were you born? I was born in Tucson, Arizona. Uh-huh. Hey, and uh, so I, as I got older, I started asking questions to all, all the adults in my life. How did we get here? What, why didn't God make us and put us here? Because it just seemed like it, 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 there didn't seem much purpose to it. It was 
painful. It, there was a lot of suffering in my family, and life just didn't wasn't didn't seem uh, very joyful to me. I had have an identical twin, which helped a lot, but she is very different than me, even though she's my identical twin. But as I don't think I probably could have even. Uh, stayed here if it wouldn't have been for her because she kept me occupied. But uh, as I grew up, I was bound and determined I was going to find out why I was here because the adults were telling me, well, you know, you just can't find the answers to those questions. And I'd say, why? And they say, because God doesn't want you to know the answers to such questions as to why you're here or how you got here. And that made me angry. That really made me angry. Like, how could there be such a God, you know? So I was determined I was going to ask God to show me the answers if it drove him crazy. Mm-hmm. Well, what were some of the things that were that were going on in your family that people were suffering from? Well, my mother suffered from uh, suicidal depression, and she was an alcoholic, and my father was a very harsh disciplinarian, and so we never knew what was going to happen from one day to the next. Uh, it didn't take anything for my dad to get angry, and so we were scared to death of him. And our mother, we would just have to take care of her from the time, as far back as I can remember. We had to take care of my mother and make sure she wasn't going to do something to harm herself, um, find her vodka bottles and dump them down the sink when we came home from school mm-hmm. and just, you know, keep her from driving the car when she was very uh, drunk <laughs> and hide her keys. You know, just it was just constant turmoil. Did you um, have any other siblings or just your twin? I have uh, an older sister, too. Uh-huh. She was she's four and a half years older, so she was out of the house uh, <laughs> by the time she was seventeen. So that left my twin sister and I, and she kind of just went off by herself because uh, she didn't want to deal with it. So my twin sister and I took it upon ourselves to be there for our mother, you know, to try to help her and try to keep her calm and make her want to stay alive and. Things like that, we would actually counsel her for hours, you know, till we could get a smile on her face or something. Hmm. Well, yeah, that sounds that sounds very uh, gray, very difficult. Yes, it was. Um, and my huh? my life, uh, it, it you know, it just seemed like, oh my gosh, how did I get in this mess? <laughs> yeah. And I really wanted to know. So, um. Okay, now, so getting back to that first chapter, it kind of, uh, you lead up, you know, you set a kind of a very, um, well, provocative uh, scene that I think is at the root of some of your later searching, too. So tell us about that. I forget, you were how old in, when you began the first chapter? I was, well, it was the first five years of my life. Um, that's when I was looking through that white, gauzy haze. And, uh, but, I mean, how old were you when you were sitting on your grandfather's lap, the way you described? Oh, I was probably like eight years old. Okay. And? I mean, I started asking these questions really soon in life. I mean, they were in my mind as soon as I could 
form of thought uh, because I it I I felt like I had con- I. I, I, it, there was a memory of a place that I had been before I came here, but I couldn't, I couldn't remember it. But I did remember that it was peaceful and I felt safe there and it was calm. And I wanted to find that. I wanted to find how to get back there. Uh-huh. So that's why I was asking all these questions. To my with my uh, the adults in my family and my grandfather, you know he would sit us on his lap. We loved to go to our grandparents' house because they were the only adults that treated my twin sister and I like we were human beings. <laughs> and so um, it was nice to go over there. We'd go over there on the weekends and uh, we'd sit outside at night on the porch in the summertime and look up at the stars and the moon, and that's what would trigger all these deep questions in me, and I'd start asking my grandpa, you know, how did we get here? And uh, he'd, he'd tell me that uh, we're not supposed to know the answers to those questions. And my grandpa was one of these people that had a hard, had a very rough childhood himself. He, at uh, 12 years old or younger, um, his, his father worked for the railroad, and uh, he was standing on top of a train when they were going under a bridge doing something on top of the train when the train was moving, mm-hmm. and the bridge was pretty low, and it knocked his head off, so he was beheaded. Huh. And uh, my grandfather's mother died from missing her husband, so she probably lived another year. Mm-hmm. And then my grandfather and his older sister that there weren't any orphan orphanages in those days or at least where he was from in west virginia so they each picked a direction to go in and they went separate directions and they started walking and he found a farm a farmer that took him in and gave him a job and a room and board for for helping him and uh, he only had like a uh fifth grade education and I don't he never went any further in school and he never saw his sister again ever. Huh. Wow. Yeah. Did you ever and, ask him when you were trying to figure out all these things about life why he and his sister decided to go in two different directions rather than staying together? Because they didn't think that anybody would take two of them in. Oh. She was a girl, which she couldn't really help with the farm chores. At least in those days, they didn't, you know, think so. And so they figured they'd be better off if they each found somebody to take them in. Wow, that's heartbreaking. And then they never were able to find themselves again, find each other again? Well, you know, I asked my grandfather when I was little, didn't you ever try to find your sister? Mm-hmm. And he said, no, he, he had no idea where to even look. And he said, you know, it's done. It's, it's done. You know, it, uh, there's no need to find mm-hmm. her. You know, and she never tried to find him, obviously, <laughs> which well, would have I... been easier because he would have retained the same last name, but uh-huh. she wouldn't, you know, if she got married. Right. Uh, is he still alive? Oh, no, no. He died when I was 15. Uh-huh. Okay, so are we going to get past that first page? Yes. What would you like to know? <laughs> well, what happened? 
what happened to what? Oh, it seemed like the the first page seemed like it was leading up to um, your more than just asking okay. your grandfather these questions. Yeah, it was leading up to um, because um, I wanted to know what I could depend on as as truth and what people told me, I, I realized that I couldn't depend on grown-ups to tell me the truth. And so, and I felt like, you know, well, God's not going to tell me the truth. Where am I going to find this? And so I, like I said, um, I started searching by the, well, by the time I was 17. And um, No, but wait, it, I mean that day, that same day. Like, I thought you were leading up to saying oh, okay. something that your grandfather I, well, did something inappropriate. Oh, no, my grandfather didn't do anything inappropriate. Well, that, no. that's so funny, because that, that's kind of how that first, you know, first no. maybe, maybe I've been uh, uh, treating too many people who have been <laughs> abused, <laughs> but that's where my mind went. Um, and... Well, I can tell you this, where it ended up was, before I went into another area, was at five years old, I was standing in my grandmother's living room, and this this feeling came over me, and all of a sudden, that gauzy haze was removed from my eyes, Mm -hmm. and I could see everything very clear. In fact, I even began to realize what all the relationships were in my life. Like, I never knew what my grandparents were for. I never knew what that meant. They were my grandparents. Okay, well, we need to take a break now. I was going to ask you about um, how, you know, about the, and I will, we'll come back to that, actually, after the break, about the gauze being removed. Okay. Um, Very interesting. My guest is Carolyn Gervais. Her book is called I Dreamed I Was Human, Awakening from the Illusion. We'll hear more when we come back. You're listening to Dr. Carol's Couch, and I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. Ask the experts. Call toll-free right now, 1-866-472-5787. And ask our all-star team to answer your questions. That's 1-866-472-5787. Thank you for calling. VoiceAmerica.com. Are you having difficulty coping with these troubled times? Do you want help? Then contact Dr. Carol Lieberman today at www.drcarol.com. Dr. Carol is a certified psychiatrist who not only has won an Emmy, but is a regular on top television shows like Oprah Winfrey and Larry King. She's here to help you through books, CDs, and helplines. Having trouble relaxing? Check out her relaxation CD. Has the fear of terrorism crippled your life? Call the terrorism hotline. And if you're having trouble with relationships... Check out her book, Bad Boys. Dr. Carol wants to help you today, so contact her at www.drcarol.com or for immediate help at 1-900-860-COPE. Get help making sense of these troubled times. www.drcarol.com Think of the world 50 years ago. Now think of this same world and how it'll be 50 years from now. Did you know that if the world's population continues to grow at its current rate, our children and grandchildren will only have 25% of the resources per capita that our parents and grandparents had? We must preserve the foundation of a quality standard of living. That foundation starts with Go Green Radio. Join your host, Jill Buck, for Go Green Radio every Friday at noon Eastern, 9 a.m. Pacific on Voice America. 
Stimulating talk it gets those synapses in the brain firing really fast. All the time. The number one internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com. Welcome back to Dr. Carol's Couch. If you have a question or comment for Dr. Carol, dial toll free at 1 866 472 5788. Now back to the show. Here's Dr. Carol Lieberman. And welcome back to Dr. Carol's Couch. I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman, talking today with Carolyn Gervais. She is uh, she has a new book out. That's what we've been talking about, and we'll continue talking about today. I dreamed I was human, awakening from the illusion. Da da da. <laughs> and uh, Carolyn is also frequently published in the Sedona Journal of Emergence. I love Sedona. I've been there uh, each time I, I go there. I've had incredibly spiritual, mystical experiences, and also on websites that focus on metaphysical spirituality. She's uh, an ordained minister in spiritual psychology, a certified hypnotherapist, and she has a master's degree in holistic nutrition. So, um, obviously you came from a very difficult background, or you wouldn't have done all that. (laughs) Well, actually, they're all connected, in my mind. They all go... They all work together. <laughs> right. Okay. So, but just before the break, you were you were starting to tell us about how this um, this thin white gauze that you felt you had been born with, that you always felt that you had in front of your eyes uh, from the time you were born, was you felt that it was removed when you were five. And before you go back to that, I just want to know what um, what the most traumatic things were before five. I mean, you told us about your mother being an alcoholic and suicidal, and, and I'm sure she, presumably she was even from the time. Do, do you think she had, um, I was going to say presumably she was even from the time you were born, do you think she had postpartum depression? Uh, it, she could have, but she wasn't an alcoholic when I was a baby. Uh-huh. She didn't become an alcoholic till I was about seven. Okay. Um, but um, six, maybe six, but uh, she did have mental problems all of her life. I mean, she came from a really rough family, too. <laughs> uh-huh. so, uh, so what but, were some of the things that were happening before this white gauze was removed? Well, I remember um, my the slightest thing. One thing that happened when I was five years old, my twin sister and I would get dressed in the living room, uh, my mother would give us her clothes, and we'd sit there and get dressed in the living room when everybody was gone, and we'd play around. And one time I threw my, my T-shirt, and it hit at those times. They had, you know, rabbit ears <laughs> on the TVs. Uh-huh. Uh, it hit the, the, the antenna, rabbit ears, and right. knocked it off and broke it. And my mother came in, and she was so mad. She was screaming, and she got a belt. And cause, uh, my, sis- my twin sister said, Carolyn did it, huh. and so my mother got the belt, and she started hitting me. All I had on my is my underwear, and she started hitting me really hard with the belt, and she would not stop, and I was cr- trying to crawl away from her all over the floor, trying to get away from her, and she just kept hitting me and hitting me, and I my body was just full of bloody welts. Wow. And uh, she felt really bad. And, you know, they, she didn't take me to the doctor. I just remember a friend came over, and she was telling her, the friend, look what I did to my baby. Uh-huh. You know? so and what... I, I wondered why why she wouldn't stop hitting me. Mm-hmm. 
you know, it, I didn't, I knew she felt bad and that guess that was good enough. Mm-hmm. Okay, so what led up to... Oh, and then on top of that, when my father got home, I got spanked by him for breaking the antenna because this is what my mother would always say, you wait till your father gets home. Uh-huh. And we were scared to death of my father because he'd spank really hard and he'd pull our hair out of our head and and he would use a belt too, but he graduated to a big wooden spoon by the time I was older. <laughs> huh. After my mother used the belt and put welts all over me, he decided we weren't going to use the belt anymore. Uh-huh. <laughs> okay, so what led up to, so what was this white gauze all about, and what led up to it being removed? What happened that one day you felt that it was removed? I don't know why it was removed, except as I got older, I figured it was that I was observing what I call the dream of life for those first five years, hmm. maybe trying to determine whether I was going to stay here or not. I, I know I did not want to, uh, but uh, all of a sudden I was just standing there like I went into this meditational trance, kind of like, you know, just standing there like dazed, you know, mm-hmm. staring. And I felt this gauze was removed and I could see everything really clear and I could understand more things in the human human world than I was able to before that gauze was removed because I felt like I had just come into my body for the first time. I mean, completely into my body for the first time. It was like I was I was no longer the observer. Now I had to be a participant in the dream. Uh huh. But what had happened like that day or that week? preceding this what do you think i mean there had to be something that changed no No, i was just at my grandparents which i enjoyed and i felt safe there and i could relax and and be calm and i think that's why it happened there because i felt safe there i didn't feel like i always have to watch out for everything i did you know Uh and that's probably why it happened i was able to go into a children go into a meditation meditative state really easy, so I was able to go into, you know, a somewhat meditative state, and that's when it all happened. And did you talk with your, during this time, did you talk with your twin sister to try to ask her about her experiences? Did she have a gauze feeling? Did she, um, could could she understand what you, what you were feeling? Yes, she, she had an experience similar only hers wasn't a gauze. It was like she just felt like she came into her body at five. Uh-huh. For the first time. Hmm. But she doesn't remember any kind of gauzy haze or anything in front of her eyes. So, but you would talk about this together, and you each uh-huh. sort of uh, confirmed uh, with the feeling that you had. Right. Uh-huh. So she had, when she came into life, she also had this sense that um, she had been somewhere else before? No, she never did have that. She she only had the, uh, uh, just, you, you know, being kind of an observer. She, she liked life, and she always 
as a child, she liked life a lot better than me. Even as children, I I had a hard time playing with other kids. I just didn't know what I was supposed to do. And it's funny because I had a twin sister and I knew how to play with her, but I didn't know how to play with other kids. Mm-hmm. And I'd always stand back away from everybody for quite a few years. Okay. So I figured out who I what I was supposed to do. Okay. So is there um, now? I don't know if there's any other, whether there was any other, well, you became, I don't know which came first here. I'm, I'm looking at some of the struggles that you had to go through. Um, why don't we talk about the teen pregnancy? How, how old were you? I was 17. And what happened? It was the, actually, I just turned 17. Um, well, I had a, a high school boyfriend, and uh, we were dating, and I just got pregnant. Uh, accidentally, of course. Um, it wasn't something I wanted to do, but boyfriends have a way of making you feel guilty if you don't do what they want you to do. So I did what he wanted me to do. And you didn't, did you know at that point about how to prevent pregnancy? Oh, yeah, I knew, but he he didn't want to do anything to prevent it. And he said you know he would he would you know be careful and not stay in there you know get out in time yes it's the it's the typical teen boy uh yes. <laughs> let's just do it yeah uh, talk you know yes. that um it's one of my one of the things that i feel so strongly about it's so unfortunate for you know be that that teen girls and teen boys are at such different stages of development um teen girls are thinking about white picket fences or at least thinking about that they want to keep this boyfriend, you know. Um, they don't want him to find some girl who will do it if they won't do it. And the guy says what he thinks that the girl wants to hear in order to get her to go along. Right. And and that's how it all happens. And it's so sad because, because it's the woman whose life turns out to be, um, well, it's a lot more devastating for the yeah, woman. Yeah. Um, than than for the teen boy who goes off into the sunset or, well, usually off to make another notch on his belt is where he goes off. I mean, that's the thing. Even when it doesn't result in pregnancy, Mm -hmm. uh, teen girls just having sex, intercourse, Mm -hmm. um, and thinking, you know, that this is the one, thinking this is their prince, or thinking if I won't do it, he'll find somebody else, whatever they're thinking. And then, of course, the guy, even whether there's a pregnancy or not, um, the guy moves on because that's what his um, mind tells him to do. You know, he's yeah. uh, it's all about competition and making more notches and and all of that. And so it's really sad that that um, teen boys and teen girls are at such different stages of their development, uh, and yet they're thrown in together. And so, of course, these kinds of things happen. Right. So what? So when you got pregnant, what did he say? Well, he. He went to his stepmother, and uh, she got this stuff from a doctor, a gynecologist, or I don't know what it was, and that she had used to uh, get rid of a pregnancy. And uh, the doctor told her that if you do not abort that the fetus will not be damaged in any way. I made sure of that. I didn't want to take it. I really didn't because I had always, <laughs> I always as a little girl wanted to have a, a child, 
because I had to share everything with my twin sister. Nothing was ever mine. Hmm. And and I felt like, you know, if I had a child, that child would love me because I never felt loved. And that's why I I hung on to this boyfriend. He was the Hmm. only boy that ever acted like he loved me mm-hmm. or said he loved me. And mm-hmm. so, yeah, I felt like if I let him go, no one would ever love me. Wow. And so I hung on, but... Mm-hmm. Uh, well, we do need to take another break okay. now. Um, yes, that it's so... Um, that's such a very poignant story, and yes, I can totally understand. I'm sure my listeners can, too. We do need to take another break. My guest is Carolyn Gervais. Um, we're talking about her book and her life. <laughs> I Dreamed I Was Human, Awakening from the Illusion. You're listening to Dr. Carol's Couch, and I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. Ask the experts. Call toll-free right now, 1-866-472-5787. Hello? And ask our all-star team to answer your question. That's 1-866-472-5787. Thank you for calling. VoiceAmerica.com. Are you having difficulty coping with these troubled times? Do you want help? Then contact Dr. Carol Lieberman today at www.drcarol.com. Dr. Carol is a certified psychiatrist who not only has won an Emmy, but is a regular on top television shows like Oprah Winfrey and Larry King. She's here to help you through books, CDs, and helplines. Having trouble relaxing? Check out her relaxation CD. Has the fear of terrorism crippled your life? Call the terrorism hotline. And if you're having trouble with relationships, check out her book, Bad Boys. Dr. Carol wants to help you today, so contact her at www.drcarol.com or for immediate help at 1-900-860-COPE. Get help making sense of these troubled times. www.drcarol.com Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio, voiceamerica.com Welcome back to Dr. Carol's Couch. If you have a question or comment for Dr. Carol, dial toll-free at 1-866-472-5788. Now back to the show, here's Dr. Carol Lieberman. And welcome back to Dr. Carol's Couch. I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. My guest is Carolyn Gervais, and like most of my guests, I'm putting her on the couch, (laughs) Um, which is, you know, relatively easy considering that her book that we're talking about is about her life or comes from her search that she did in her life from from childhood, as you're hearing, um, because of all the struggles that she had beginning from before she was five. Her book, again, is called I Dreamed I Was Human, Awakening from the Illusion. Before the break, we were talking about how you became pregnant at 17 and um, how, yes, how having a twin sister made you feel as though nothing was yours alone. You had to share everything, and a baby would have been yours. Um, so we, and we left on kind of a cliffhanger. So um, what did happen when you became... Well, first of all, you know, you were talking about talking to the mother of your boyfriend. I mean, did you tell your mother? No. Huh. Because she had her own problems. She would have fallen apart. <laughs> Probably tried to commit suicide, so no, no. I couldn't tell anybody. My twin sister knew that was it. Huh. So you didn't tell your father either? 
No, until I had to. Not until I had to. Okay, well, tell us about that. So what happened? You were talking about how your well, your boyfriend's mother got some medication from her from uh, her gynecologist. Yeah, to to to, to abort, and uh, my boyfriend insisted. I mean, he begged me to take it, and it made me so sick. Oh, my dad thought I had the flu because I couldn't keep anything down, not even a drop of water. And this went on for a week, and then the last step was to drink a whole bottle of castor oil and and keep it down. (laughs) There was no way, and we were at my sister's boyfriend's house, and uh, I crawled out of the bedroom into the bathroom. He says, keep it down, keep it down. I said, I can't. And I went in there. And I was so exhausted from not being able to eat or anything for over a week that I crawled out of the bathroom on my knees. And I told him, I said, look, I don't need you to my boyfriend. I don't need you. If you don't want to be in my life, that's fine. If you don't want to help me take care of this baby, that's fine. But I'm going to have it. Huh. And he said, no, I want to help you. So we had to tell my father and my mother. So they came over. My boyfriend came over with his father. He was only 19 at the time. So his father came over with him, and we told my parents. And my dad yelled and screamed at my boyfriend, and mm. even though his father was there and told him to get out of the house, my his house. And my mother said, I'll, I'll be I'll be." By you. I'll stand by you, baby. And I'm thinking, oh, yeah, sure. So after they left, my dad just laid into me, and my mother fell apart. She got drunk. Uh, she was hysterical. She she passed out. She she passed out, and she choked on her saliva. And when she choked on her saliva, she would she would she couldn't breathe. Her throat would close up because she'd panic. And so my dad would always have to turn her upside down and hold on to her feet and shake her. Huh. <laughs> Can you believe this? Yeah. Can you believe this? And uh, try to get her, get the drop or whatever was in her windpipe to come out, and it usually worked. But she was so drunk, she passed out, and my dad said, See, look what you did to your mother. She, he says, get out of my house. He says, you're not my daughter anymore, and don't you ever come back. And so I left and stayed with my girlfriend, uh, parents, until I got married. And how old were you? So you married this he, this young man. Uh-huh. Um, how old were you then? Did you I get married? Seven, I was still 17. Oh, so did you You got married before the baby yeah, was born? Yes, I, I was five months pregnant when we got married. Uh-huh. Yeah, trying to hide it in school and stuff. And, and, so, and so the baby... You had the baby, and it, it yeah. was a healthy baby? Yes, yes. Yeah, perfectly well, healthy, even to this day. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's good. And then how long did the marriage last? It lasted eight years. Wow. That's... Yeah. <laughs> that was pushing it, believe me. Uh-huh. Because he told me he would take my child away from me if I ever left him. And I was not young and naive. I didn't know if he could do that, because I wanted to sing. I was a singer. That's what I was. When he met me, I was singing with my twin sister and a girlfriend, and we would do, you know, stuff at school, and we'd sing with bands at proms and things like that. And so I had to give up my singing Hmm. 
to to be married and to have this child, but my child was everything to me. So it was it was like you know I felt like, and you know I don't I don't think abortion is right for everyone. I, I think it's it, it's an individual decision. Mm-hmm. And abortion wasn't even legal in in when I was pregnant at seventeen. But mm. my father was going to take me to Mexico. Huh? And I said to him. I said, you know, Dad, this is the first time you can't force me to do something. Huh. And I said, I'm not doing it. So, because I I am a kind of person that I could not have lived with myself killing my child because it was something I had always wanted, Uh you know. And he's the only child I ever had. It's the only child you ever had? Yep. Huh. I had three miscarriages after him. Huh, that's interesting. Uh, oh, I'm glad I had him. <laughs> yes, that, that boy. That. Um, okay, so then, then, so t- tell us more about the search and how. Where? What does this really mean? I dreamed I was human. Well, being married at 17 and having my husband was just like my father, very abusive. Uh, I'd get hit a lot. He tell me what to do, tell me what I could do, what I couldn't do. I'd have to be home when he told me to be home. I had to tell him everything I did that day and everyone I saw, and uh, and we fought a lot, you know. And after, you know, when my son was seven years old, I just decided I'd had enough. I I wanted to sing because for me that was, the dream, my dream, my passion was to sing. And I had a good voice, so I wanted to do that again. And still, you know, I felt like I could do both and take care of my my son. Uh-huh. So I left him, and uh, I started singing. And uh, I had help with uh, from my sister, my twin sister. She would watch him when I was singing, and I had help from, from people, but then... Uh, Things got really rough, and I started, uh, my my husband, it took nine months to go through the divorce because he kept fighting me and fighting me, trying to get my son away from me to punish me, and he took my son for the weekend and didn't bring him back, and he left town with him, which he wasn't supposed to do, and he'd call me all hours of the day and night and tell me I was never going to see my son again. Hmm and tell me he was going to put him in school and change his name, and I would never know where he was. Wow, yeah. And I just was a mess. I just, I couldn't sleep, I couldn't eat, I couldn't do anything. So I pretty well, uh, what happened was I I was always very health conscious because I was raised that way. And all of a sudden, uh, I had no appetite, and I stopped eating. But then, after work every night, after being on stage for four hours, it's, it's, it takes a lot of energy. I, I would be starving on the way home to my sister's house. So I would stop at McDonald's because I wouldn't have to go in anywhere, and it was cheap. Right. And I started getting hamburgers and fries, and I started gaining weight. And I probably gained, oh, I don't know, 15 pounds or something like that. 
And for me, that was the biggest I had ever been. Mm -hmm. I probably weighed 125 pounds or something like Mm -hmm. that. And I thought I was obese. And so I panicked. And so I just decided. Because my twin sister, she was always my example of what I used to look like. Uh And and we normally weighed 115. That was our normal weight. And to weigh 125 or 130 was, like, really heavy in my mind. Uh So I stopped eating. I felt that was the only way I was going to lose the weight. I stopped eating. That's when you became anorexic. And then the fear of food became so Uh strong. I could not put anything into my stomach for fear. I would gain weight. So Hmm. it it was rough. So okay, so but so where does this title come from? I dreamed I was human. The title comes from that the fact that when I was a child I was looking through this gauzy haze. Yeah. I it it was like the world was a dream to me. It wasn't real. It didn't seem like this is where I belonged. I belonged somewhere else. It I had a, some kind of memory of being somewhere else and so this world was like a dream to me. And I, as I studied, at 17, I started diligently studying anything metaphysical and spiritual I could get my hands on because I was just starving to know why I had to stay here because I hated it and I didn't want to stay here. I wanted to die. And I wanted to, to know why I had to stay here. And I had to stay here for my son. That was the other reason why I stayed. And uh so what I learned through my studies and through meditation and contemplation and, and just uh, everything uh, was that really we do come from someplace else. We, this isn't really our home. This is a physical realm that was manifested. You can call it by God. You'd have to read my book to understand that I don't really mean it's that this world was created directly from God. I believe that God created us as souls, and we created this world. Uh-huh. And so part of us is really not here. The spiritual part of us, the, the, the spirit part of us, is still on the other side of what I call the veil of life, and dreaming, pretending, imagining that we're in this world because at the time that we created it, uh, we had free will. We had free will to do whatever we wanted to do and to choose whatever kind of life or how we wanted to live the life that was given to us by the creative force. And so those of us that are here in this realm chose this life in duality um, where everything happens one uh, one after the other every minute hap- every minute there's an, another minute after it for everything that happens there's something else that happens and that this is really Okay, that that's a sign for the breakup. <laughs> yes, okay. We can we'll just finish that sentence and that this is really what? This is really a dream. We're not uh-huh. really here. We we are so caught up in the illusion that we are really here that we can't see that it's we're not. 
Huh. This is where I am working. This is what I've been studying my whole life to get beyond the dream, to know where I really am from. Very interesting. All right. Yes, we do need to take another break. Uh, again, my guest is Carolyn Gervais. Her book is I Dreamed I Was Human, Awakening from the Illusion. You're listening to Dr. Carol's Couch, and that's not an illusion. <laughs> I'm really here. <laughs> and I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. Talk, talk, talk. That's all we do is talk. Yeah! If you'd like to talk, call us toll-free right now at 1-866-472-5787. 1-866-472-5787. That's it. VoiceAmerica.com. Are you having difficulty coping with these troubled times? Do you want help? Then contact Dr. Carol Lieberman today at www.drcarol.com. Dr. Carol is a certified psychiatrist who not only has won an Emmy, but is a regular on top television shows like Oprah Winfrey and Larry King. She's here to help you through books, CDs, and helplines. Having trouble relaxing? Check out her relaxation CD. Has the fear of terrorism crippled your life? Call the terrorism hotline. And if you're having trouble with relationships... Check out her book, Bad Boys. Dr. Carol wants to help you today, so contact her at www.drcarol.com or for immediate help at 1-900-860-COPE. Get help making sense of these troubled times. www.drcarol.com Very rarely does our news media spotlight some of the good things that are happening in our world. For more of these good stories and the people that are creating them, tune in to Bread for the Journey with Mariana Cacciatore. Whether these good acts stem from personal tragedy or just a desire to help out and make this a better world in which to live, you'll find inspiration in every week's program. Connect with those that are doing something great for a change. Listen for Bread for the Journey, Saturdays at 9 a.m. Pacific Time, noon Eastern, on the Voice America Variety Channel. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com Welcome back to Dr. Carol's Couch. If you have a question or comment for Dr. Carol, dial toll-free at 1-866-472-5788. Now back to the show, here's Dr. Carol Lieberman. And welcome back to Dr. Carol's Couch. I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman, with my guest, Carolyn Gervais. Um, we're, uh, we're going into very... <laughs> very uh, we're going actually from very real, very raw kinds of uh, stories that have to do with your real, raw life. Right. And now into sort of this, medic- what you write about in the book, um, going into these very spiritual kinds of realms. Um, and you talk about thinking that there are, that there are parallel universes. Mm-hmm. What, I'm, I mean, do you, um, I was asking you, I started asking you during the break, whether how you relate this or if you relate this to the dreams that we have when we sleep. Like I said, depending on where we are in our conscious awareness, depending on how much we've opened up to who we really are as a spiritual being in human form or as a creative being in human form, whatever you want to call it, to me God is just energy. It's the creative force in the universe that is the energy that was used for everything that we can see with our eyes to manifest it. Mm-hmm. So, yes, so depending where our consciousness or what questions we have in our waking life, what we are ready to 
to see with and and acknowledge our dreams will take us into parallel universes it, our dreams will take us to where we get messages or in other realms uh, okay well for example i don't know if this is anything like what you're talking about but this morning okay. early this morning i had a dental appointment for a teeth cleaning uh-huh. <laughs> and you're wondering why i'm talking about this <laughs> um, and the uh the the uh, dental hygienist was saying something about, remarking about how I spell my name uh, with an E, C-A-R-O-L-E, and she said, it's just like Carol King. Right. And within, um, and I said yes, and within uh, probably uh, a minute or two, no more, all of a sudden a Carol King song came playing over the, um, you know, I don't know, some kind of music that they had on. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Now, would you say that that uh, in any way reflects, um, I mean, I took it to mean, I, I said, well, the universe is listening to us. Yes, and that's true. That's why those little synchronicities happen, because every thought, every word that comes out of us, every feeling, every emotion is going out to the whole universe. And it does have an effect, no matter how minute that effect is it still has an effect and it connects with everything in existence in some way. Well, what is I know that you, in your book you write about um, some mystical or spiritual experiences that you've had um, yes. that you said people would call some people might say are miracles. Um, I'm sure they're deeper than hearing Carol King on the radio. What what was more, no offense to Carol King, who's, who's really is a great great singer songwriter. But um, um, what give us some examples of some really profound um, moments like that? Okay. Well, I've had um, spiritual experiences that I call spiritual experiences, like. Uh, that happened while I was meditating or in a deep state of meditation or just laying down, uh, you know, horizontal when something might happen. Uh, But I've also had parallel life experiences while awake, living my life. I mean, moving around in life. How how does it describe that? What do you want to hear? (laughs) How does that, well, the being awake, how how do you have these parallel experiences? Well, at the time that I had the first one, nobody ever heard of parallel experiences. I guess maybe I, I kind of had, but um, the very first one I had was um, where I lived in this apartment by myself with my son, uh, and it was a, a one-story apartment complex, so there was no upstairs or anything, and a Friend, a friend of mine came over one morning, and uh, she heard a coffee pot percolating through the wall. And she said, "What? What is that?" And I said, "Oh, that's my neighbor in the end apartment. That's her coffee pot percolating. I hear it every morning." And she says, "The neighbor in the end apartment?" I said, "Yeah." She says, "Carolyn, you live in the end apartment." I said, "No, I don't." I've talked to this lady. I've seen her. I said, in fact, you know, I worry about her because I know she she's very introverted, very, you know, shy. She seems depressed. And 
and she's about 50, and uh, she wears very plain clothes. In fact, she was coming home from work the other day at the same time I was opening up my door, and I said hi to her, and I could tell she, you know, she didn't want to be bothered by me, but I wanted her to, you know, feel like, you know, she wasn't so alone. And so she said hi back, and then she went into her apartment and closed the door. So I said, how can that be? I, I've seen this lady many times. And she said, do me a favor. Go outside and look at where your apartment is. And I said, you're spooking me out here. But I said... Okay, just to prove you're wrong, I'll do, I'll go do it. And when I looked, I was in the end apartment. Okay, now if you were in uh, a psychiatric emergency room yes, and you told that story. I know, that's why I've never told anybody. <laughs> <laughs> Except people that would understand, you know. Um, I mean, just to play devil's advocate, how do you know? Well, first of all, have you ever seen a psychiatrist? Yes. Okay, did you ever tell that story? No. Or similar ones? Okay, well, I mean, how do you know that that isn't like um, sort of an altered state or an alter ego, that that's that's part of how you see yourself, like that woman that you describe? Well, it doesn't matter. It's still a a parallel version of me. Uh And so it is real. It is real on some level. Scientists, I don't know if you've heard about it, but scientists believe in parallel lives now. They believe that wormholes and black holes lead to parallel versions of our life, of each one of us. So it's not something that, you know, you have to be crazy to experience. (laughs) Um, And so I know this was a you know, when it happened to me, I thought, oh, my gosh, what is going on, you know? Yeah. But I knew because I'd been studying spirituality for so many years, even then, I was 25, and I knew that this was God showing me something about uh-huh. who I was. And maybe like showing you what you don't want to become. Right. But, and that, that's what I realized, that yes. she was somebody I could have become. But the thing is, I didn't think about it until later, her door was right parallel to mine, like looking into a mirror yes. where everybody else's door mm. opened on the same, same side. side of their yes. apartment. Mine yes. did, but hers opened on the opposite. That's very interesting. So, yes, yeah. the universe was showing you that you better yes. get your life together to not turn out like that. Hmm. Right. Fascinating. Well, um, let me tell everyone the name of your book again. Okay. I Dreamed I Was Human, Awakening from the Illusion. And um, your website is idreamediwashuman.com. Idreamediwashuman.com. So, um, well, you can order the book from that website, but um, awakeningyou.com is, is my personal website. Okay. But, but I, I think I dreamed I will, was human will take you to that website as well. Okay. Well, this was fascinating, and I wish you and all your lives, <laughs> all your parallel lives. No, I, I wish, you know, it just shows that, that we really can't get stuck in, and as people do, 
in thinking that everything is so black and white and thinking that, you know, we go to our nine-to-five jobs. and and, I mean, everybody just is kind of in a box, not everybody, but far too many people are in a box. And And that's the illusion, see. The Uh box is the illusion. Absolutely. There's way more to us. (laughs) Yes, absolutely. Well, thank you again, Carolyn Gervais, and thank you all for listening. You've been listening to Dr. Carol's Couch, and I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. Thank you for joining us on Dr. Carol's Couch. Join us next week at 1 p.m. Pacific time for another installment of Dr. Carol's Couch. We'll save you a seat. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericavariety.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by Voice America Talk Radio Network its staff, and management.